I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know what I love about baseball, Steve Bursnick, is that you can absolutely hate baseball. I mean, that's the game, right? I mean, how do you explain the Tampa Bay Rays the best team in the major leagues, best offensive team by far, right? 100 home runs, what, damn near, if not already at 100 steals, stolen bases, all of that. We talked about them, you know, being, you know, equal to the 55 Brooklyn Dodgers, for gosh sakes. And then after scoring 11 runs against the best team, one of the best teams in the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers, winning a series against them at home. They go to the friendly confines of Wrigley Field in Chicago, Illinois, and they score a total in two games of one stinking run. One. One. Against a, 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 a Chicago Cubs team, which is not the Joe Madden world champions, by the way. I mean, this team was many games under five hundred when they when they got to Wrigley and can't buy a run. In fact, I don't know how they scored one, to be honest with you. And they lose two to one, not on a, you know, I mean, the game started, it was it was ominous, right? First pitch of the game by Shane McClanahan's a home run. <laughs> if that didn't get you off to a bad start. Well, before then, that, Wander Franco got thrown out of home. Well, he did. And, now, and that was. He was probably a little too aggressive. But, but first of all, my first yeah. question is, the Rays have scored one run in two games. Were you hosting the postgame show again? <laughs> well, apparently I never will be. <laughs> I guess I just, it was so bad that no one will have me back. Um, but thanks anyway, uh, Rays. Uh, no, I wasn't. Thank God. Because, well, it would be very similar to what our podcast is going to be, which is to say, I don't know what, I, I, I don't know what happened. It's, that was, as my friend Ronnie, Ronnie Lane would say and will say, does baseball. Um, and I guess it is because – if you're around the game enough, and we have all been around the game, it's inexplicable, totally is inexplicable how an entire team can just go from red, scorching, white hot, whatever, uh, to, you know, can't buy a hit. And sometimes can't buy a hard hit ball. Um, and that's sort of where they're at in Chicago right now. It's just weird. But I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. And it becomes a collective thing. And, I, you know, there's a – there's – there really is sort of like momentum that carries through a lineup, that carries through a club, and it's it's as fleeting as it is when when you, when things are going well, you just don't even think about it. You know what I mean? You just go up there, swing the bat, you see the ball, see ball, hit ball, um, ball hit to you, catch ball, throw ball. Like it's very, it's a simple game. It's like the old Bull Durham. You throw the ball, you catch the ball, you hit the ball. Sometimes it rains, something, you know, all that thing, and and that's it, it. Seems that simple. It really does. The game can can be boiled down in your mind of just reaction and muscle memory, and you're not thinking, and everything's going great. And then, just as quickly, it's like you've never played, 
and I can't explain it, but I've had it happen to me. I've had it happen to, to teams that was I was on, and I'll just tell you a quick story. And like, and this sort of reminds me. Okay, so Hendrickson's pitching for the Cubs, or Hendricks for the Cubs, right? Is that who pitched? Um, yeah, I think he pitched on uh, Tuesday night, and and he's a guy that's been around, he's crafty, you know, right-handed. I don't, I don't know. Steve, does he even throw ninety anymore? I don't even know if he makes it to ninety. You know, if it does, it's it's low nineties. It's just at it, you know, like ninety, eighty nine, eighty seven, that kind of thing. Little, a lot of movement, doesn't throw anything straight. Um, lot of off speed, right? Those were the guys that we would struggle with. Those guys, not the guy that you know is throwing ninety five or something. No, it was those guys that just kind of nibble, and we we used to say they kind of throw pus. I mean, that was the it was a gross thing, but it was like, you know, just. And usually they were left-handed, usually. But occasionally you'll get a guy that's right-handed that does it too. And you'd be up there spinning yourself in the ground like Bugs Bunny or something. And and then it, it and then it, it, it just kind of like the same way good vibes are carried on from one hitter to the next, so are the bad ones. I can't explain it. One guy's pressing, then you start pressing, and so on and so on. And it just carries down the line. We were playing years ago, 100 years ago. We were playing Boca Ciega High School. We had one of the best teams in the county. Hell, we won the district at Dixie Hollands. And for some reason, we went to Bogey one day, as we called them, and they threw this guy who, I swear to you, I didn't know how the ball made it 60 feet, 60 feet 6 inches. It was literally an amazing feat for him to throw the ball that far, that slow. We couldn't touch him. I, we had the best inning team in the county. We couldn't touch him. We got no hit by the guy. No hit in the middle of a season where we lost two games or three games. And our coach, for whatever reason, was so upset with us that when we got back to Dixie, he ran the dog out of us in a thunderstorm. And I love Coach Johnson. I know you're out there, George Johnson. You probably still listen to this podcast. Um, but that was not fun. And and to this day, I we didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't like we were taking it easy. It's just weird to me that you can be so hot and score. What they have eighteen hits the other day against the Dodgers, something like that. Scored twelve runs and had had to score every inning. It seemed uh, because the Dodgers kept giving coming back. Um, and then you go to Chicago and it's like a faucet got shut off, you know. And they score one run in two games. Weird. Now they could go out today in the afternoon for you know they've lost the series. They can go out and they may put up twenty themselves. Yeah, first you know? time they've lost a series to a team with a losing record this year. Uh, it's incredible. And the Cubs were the worst team in the National League going into the series. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like they're not good, mm-hmm. and they're not good by a lot, you know. And, and and oh, by the way, it's not like they're bashing Rays pitching because they're not. No, they only scored two, three runs in the two games, and mm-hmm. you could argue that it was really one legit run. Yeah, the I mean first the second the, the second run tonight and and. The defense cost them both games. It really did. The throw by Taylor Walls in game one. Yep, they gave him the run. Got him to second. Yep, yep. that was an unearned run. And then tonight, the second run that McClanahan gave up should have been an out. Well, I mean, the, the it should have been an error, but because no one touched the ball, because Josh Lowe and weird, Brandon Lowe. By the way, that's a weird rule to me. Like you can't. I, I understand that it's hard for a scorekeeper to assign – whose fault it was that the ball dropped between two fielders. Mm-hmm. But one of them should have caught it. I don't think so it's I a would, rule that it's not. But it's an unwritten, if no one touches the ball, then how can it be an error? 
See, that's the part I disagree with. I do too. Because because I and I know guys, you know, well, is it an error if a guy loses a ball in the lights and he doesn't touch it? Is it an error if, uh, you know, he's called off at the last minute? And that's sort of what happened. It was a miscommunication. I mean, you know, Brandon Lau's camped, I thought, camped under the, the pop-up, and and Josh Lowe is running towards it as he should. Now, the rule of baseball is it's, you know, it's the outfielder's ball if he's coming towards it and has momentum and, and you're running backwards, you always want the guy that has the ball in front of him to make the play. So if you hear him call you off, you bail. I mean, that's just the rule because you got your back to him. You don't know where he is, but if he's coming hard enough to call it, I got it, I got it, your job as an infielder is to bail. Get out of there, right? And it, it seemed like Lau was camped under it and had you know both arms up to catch it. And then it was almost like he heard him say, I got it or something, and he, and he jumped out of the way, and it fell between them. And I think, I think Josh Lowe was pulling up. I think he was like, okay, I'm out of this. I'm not going to make the catch. So maybe he said, you got it. You know, sometimes you'll hear that. You got it. Take it, take it, whatever. And you think he's saying that he's got it. So miscommunication, ball drops, guys on second. Should have been an out. And he winds up scoring the winning run. Um, weird, you know, can't can't explain it. I mean, again, it's not like the Cubs have just bashed their way to two victories. They've scored a total of three runs. Well, and as much as we've complained about the Rays' bullpen of late, I mean, the last two games, <laughs> three runs problem. total given up, yeah. one unearned yeah. on, on yeah. Monday, and then the two runs, one home run by McClanahan, and then that defense. And then I mean, the drop ball, yeah. If, if the defense is playing better, both games are in extra innings. That's correct. Yeah, that really just the home run is all they've given up. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that you would say, okay, that's on them. Um, so the pitching, yeah, for as much consternation as there was about the bullpen, it's actually held up. The starters have held up. Clanahan suffers his first defeat of the year. He had a chance to set a race record if he'd gotten to nine and zero. Unable to do that, so that was unfortunate for him. I didn't think he threw particularly well. Um, certainly well enough to win. Again, you only gave up two runs, and one should have been unearned, so it's not like you didn't get it done. But he didn't go deep in the game. He had a lot of um, a lot of long counts and, and wasn't efficient as he's been in the past. And, again, that's a hard, hitter's park, so um, what's unusual, and, it, and the wind has probably looked like it was blowing in a little bit, but what's unusual is that the Rays, who have hit so many home runs, can't get the big fly, you know, and that it just – it's just they can't hit at all. Now, like I said, it's the game, right? It's baseball. Like you go out there tomorrow afternoon. I would I would recommend, and they probably won't take any batting practice. They didn't take any batting practice before the last game against the Dodgers, and they had, you know, twelve runs and eighteen hits. So you know, it's the old American Legion deal where you go out there and just you know get loose and play and don't take BP. Maybe that'll happen for them again tomorrow. But man, the game, the game of baseball is so frustrating. You know, and, mm-hmm. and all you can hope is that when you get into the postseason, you don't do that, right? Like, like look at last year with the Rays. I mean, I know they weren't a good hitting team pretty much all year, and they had a ton of different players in and out. Um, but the same guys that they had last year are leading every category in baseball this year. Same guys. and But last year, they they could not buy a run in the postseason. You just have to hope that those little slumps don't come along you know, at at that time, you hope that you have good vibes and you start the postseason and everybody, you know, starts swinging it. But um, that's how how quickly it, it it goes, and it's just that's the sport. It's the damnedest thing. Uh, and the more you play, the more you'll experience it. And 
you know, you got to ride out the the bad times and mm-hmm. you know try to try to get the momentum going again. Well, and as Joey Knight pointed out, the Baltimore Orioles are now three games behind the race. I mean, think about that, right? Think about that. I mean, an historic start for the Tampa Bay Rays, right? A hundred home runs uh, when they didn't do that till August twelfth of a year ago. Over a hundred stolen bases. Uh, something that the, hadn't been done since the 55 Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, a terrific pitching staff. Injuries, yes. Bullpen certainly beat up. Um, but even having said all that, like one of the greatest starts in, in, in not just ba- Rays history, but baseball history, and you're three games? Three games is your lead? I mean, it's incredible to me. That's how good Baltimore has been. That's how good, frankly, the AL East has been. And and they're playing each other less than they normally do. So they're obviously getting fat on other teams too, them and, of course, it seems like everybody's beating Toronto in the East, um, which is Toronto's problem. But, yeah, I mean, that that's how close it is. You could find yourself in second place by the end of this road trip if you don't take care of business, you know. So afternoon game today, and then it's on to Boston, and they're very capable at, at, uh, at Fenway to uh, to get it done there too. Well, and as the pitching is good in this series, as we pointed out, the Rays, we think, got good news on Pete Fairbanks. Uh, mm-hmm. The MRI came back. There was no damage, no issues with his hip that locked up on, uh, what was it, on Sunday. Right. Uh, when he was uh, going to come in in the ninth, Jason Adam ended up pitching both the eighth and the ninth and got the save. Uh, so yep. it looks like he got a cortisone shot. Uh, they're going to rest him for a week and then uh, – see what it uh, the hip how it responds to the rest and, and the cortisone shot but i think they're hopeful by nothing on the mri that the stint on the io will be shorter than longer i think i saw too where armstrong might join him by the weekend at some point i'm not sure yeah he's working his be- way back and then enter kittredge should follow sometime after that and then yeah uh you know if you can if Armstrong and Kittredge can pitch like you hope, and you got Jason Adams, and if Pete Fairbanks comes back, then you start going. Okay, now we now we got a bullpen. Now you got some length. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. You need some. You need some guys that have been in the in the arena and that can, you know, pitch multiple innings and and at any part of the leverage of the game, they can do it. You know, with the leverage in moments are in the seventh or the eighth or the ninth. They've all closed before, so you, you know you can even even start a couple of those guys. So. Um, that will lengthen their bullpen. They definitely need to do that. I still think they need to add before the trade deadline if, if in fact, anybody becomes available. But, um, yeah, that will that will be a boost for them. And the Fairbanks thing, there are certain players, and I can't explain it. He's a big, tall guy. Oh, we've got the finger thing now. Um, you know, he's had the forearm strain previously. Forearm strain bothers yeah. you. And now the hip. Like, there's just certain guys, man. You know, it's like, yeah, if he could ever stay healthy, boy, he's really dominant. Well, that's that's the game. Don't we say that you about know, Tyler best... Glass now a lot, too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, geez, is there a better guy going when Glass is on the mound? It, it, you know, was he 6'8", downhill with 100-mile-an-hour fastballs and wicked breaking stuff? you got to stay healthy. Best ability is availability, and that's not what the Rays have had on their pitching all the time. So, I don't know what caused the strain in the hip. I, you know, cortisone, okay. I've had a cortisone shot in my hip. It doesn't feel good to get it. It does feel better afterwards, but it's also not something that just heals you. You know, like if, if there was a problem there that caused the inflammation 
to begin with that you would need a cortisone shot, then you have to hope that, you know, that problem doesn't exist and continue. So um, we'll see. But it's, uh, you know, better news than bad, that's for sure, uh, because they're going to need all they got in the bullpen. So a couple of tough two days in, in Chicago, man. Just uh, not a good trip up there. And the thing is, it's such a great ballpark that I guarantee you all these players were looking forward to playing at Wrigley, all of them. You know, the same way they'll be looking forward to playing at Fenway. And you go in there, and the weather's been terrific. I mean, it can be nasty up there this time mm-hmm. of year. And they've had perfect weather, beautiful night game. Uh, you know, fans are in short sleeves and everything. Huge crowds. Just a cathedral of baseball. And I could just imagine what it would be like to stand up there and, you know, and hit and pitch and stuff. You, just, you know they're just excited about playing there. And, then, and they, they can't buy a run. It's just the weirdest thing. It's a good hitter's park and all of that. But think they got the Chicago uh, flu? Uh, I wasn't going to go there. You had the early Sunday game, so you got into yeah. town an hour you and a got half, there two early. hours earlier than, than you expected. I wasn't going to go there. You start with the day game. Mm-hmm. And then, so then you had Monday night and not playing till Tuesday evening. Listen, I've... I've spent plenty of hours in Chicago in the Viagra Triangle there, uh, where Joe Madden used to live, and uh, and Harry Carey was renowned for you know, mm-hmm. hi Steve, let's have another bear. It's only three a.m. And Steve Stone told the stories during the um, during Harry Carey's wake that were uh, still the greatest wake I've ever witnessed in my life. It was like two and a half hours of just guys were howling at the stories of Harry Carey, but. He'd be out. They he'd drop Steve off somehow from some car somewhere that he wasn't driving at like five a.m. and and they'd have like a day game. I'll see at the ballpark at nine. It was like what? <laughs> and then Harry was still going strong, and he's drinking a butt by the fifth inning. You know, um, so yes, Chicago is that city. It is def. You can get a beverage. I remember the first time I went up there, uh, long before I met my wife there. Uh, the first time I went up there. I went with a buddy, and my, my plane got delayed, and he was on a different plane. And we flew separately, and it was snowing like hell. I mean, snowing, cold, single digits type type stuff. And I got a cab, and I could see where the Marriott was. I'm headed towards him. I'm like, okay, I'm almost there. Okay, it's uh, it's after midnight, but I think there's still time for last call. Okay, I'll be there soon. First, all excited about Chicago. Okay, got to go to Division and Rush. Division and Rush, you know. And so we get there, and we ask the people, so should we walk? They go, no, you shouldn't walk. It's like seven degrees out there. Are you crazy? It's like, well, it's not that far, right? And yeah, but take a cab. Like, you know, don't don't freeze to death. So we took a cab. We rushed into Butch McGuire's. They got all this Christmas stuff up there. They got trains going around the bar. Like, just, you know, it really, it kind of looked like Bedford Falls. You know what I mean? Like the snow's falling. It's like I'm a Mr. Martini's bar or something like, you know. I all your savings and loan, like you know, Merry Christmas, and it was around Christmas time too, as I recall. And so, we're in there, and we're thinking this has got to be this bar's closing down. I mean, it's it's almost one, right? When the lights start flickering, usually in most towns. Finally, we're like, when do you guys stop serving? And, oh, I don't know, three thirty, four o'clock, just depends on the crowd. Like, what? A.M. <laughs> It's it's almost the city that never sleeps, but um, so yeah, I don't want to go there. Maybe I have no I idea. Know. I was just, but yeah. you know, there are certain cities that 
And certain that's times certainly one when the schedule works out a certain way. Yeah, yeah, man. That it can happen. It can happen. It can definitely happen to you. But I hate to be the the one that would create those spurs. I mean, I, I remember that. you know when I was travel with the Braves, we had a uh, there was one weekend, the Saturday day game, the Fox game of the week at one o'clock. And, right. then, and then Sunday night baseball. Mm. Everybody was time in between. Night. Everybody was out Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they were. <laughs> yeah, they were. I'm not quite sure what time I got back to the hotel that morning. You know, but that happens. I mean, you're also players are young. They're on the road. Heck, the staff that's with them, young, on the road. You know, that stuff happens, man. Life happens. I'm sure Life none of happens. I'm sure none of our listeners have ever gone to work not 100% because of a night out the night before. No, but if you're a ball player that plays 162 games and gets to travel the country, you ought to go out and see uh, a few mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I can I can certainly attest to coming in around midnight um, mm-hmm. many times uh, on Bucks trips and after dinner and uh, a late one. One time I was with my wife mm-hmm. in San Diego and we're walking in and it's it's after midnight, man. It's like and this is Pacific time, so like think of what it is back home. Mm-hmm. We were walking in a hotel, team hotel, and um, Mike Tomlin and Raheem Morris are in, coming out the door, out of the hotel. They were, hey, guys, what are you doing? It's like, going to sleep? <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, still, he's got a couple hours left. Let's go out and get some drinks. We're gonna... I'm like, don't you guys have a game like at 1 tomorrow? Like, don't you have to beat the stadium? The first bus is like at nine thirty or ten. Ah, oh, there's still time. You know, these were coaches, so just imagine if you didn't have a curfew on players and things. No, but I've, yeah, I've told the story before that uh, Corey Dillon set the ruck, the rushing record in the NFL. I think it was two thousand mm-hmm. against the Broncos, who were a really good team that year. Yeah, because most of the Broncos' defense was out at the bar at four a.m. Because mm-hmm. I was out at the bar at four a.m. with them, and you knew. <laughs> I mean, That's I wasn't. Right. I wasn't with them, but I saw them there. You saw them, and the next well, day they he, started getting run over, and you went, "Hmm, I know why." I don't know if you know this, but Tampa is known for some of its adult establishments. Really? Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, a guy named Joe Redner owns a few of these places, or owned a few of these places. I just thought he owned a bar and a and a brewery. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, go with that. Um, they don't sell alcohol, but that's there's a reason. Um, so there was this one that was, uh, and I don't know if he owned this one, but it was off the causeway called the Tanga. It ended up burning down, suspiciously enough. I had nothing to do with it. The Tanga Lounge. And so the Raiders came in. It was a decent Raiders team. It was one of Dungy's early years. Uh, and the Raiders came to town, and there was a boxing match. It was the perfect storm. Boxing match, one o'clock game for the Raiders, which is like ten a.m. their time. They all ended up going out, watching the fight, and then ending up at this uh, adult establishment, if you will, uh, a men's club of some kind. Uh, and the next day, Mike Allstott ran through them like a knife through butter, like a hot knife through butter. I these dudes didn't want to tackle anybody. <laughs> They were laying back, just getting run over. I mean, they were so hungover that then they got run over by the A train. And and it was all because 
three quarters of the team, whatever it was, they were staying across from this lounge at a hotel at the Hyatt there on the causeway. And they made their way across the street there and they were out till like four o'clock in the morning and they were done. They were cooked. And it was a hot day too. It was perfect, perfect for the Bucks. And they yeah, they just flattened them. And and it was a better Raiders team than a Bucks team because it was like Tony's first year, I think, or second or something like that. So yeah, it happens, man. It happens. But again, we're not one to deal in, you know, rumor mongering. We're not we want to credit the Chicago Cubs with the great pitching that they have demonstrated. Oh, Strawman um, was he was dealing on Monday. He was yeah. I mean, no one was going to hit him that day, right? I mean, if you just watched his stuff, you knew that that wasn't on anybody but him. But yeah. that was all him. Yeah, yeah. So you can't you can't really blame the Rays for that. Anyway, um, so we got a little news to talk about, or not really news, but some insights with the Bucks and their, I guess OTAs or second week of OTAs, which began on Tuesday. We had a chance to watch those, but first, I want to tell you how to save money on your electric bill. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've been operating and installing solar electric systems in the area now for 13 years. There's a lot of these companies out there that knock on your door, but it's only May Electric Solar that's committed to you for the long term. How long will they guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty? Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. They're calling that the May difference. If you visit the Hudson showroom, May Electric displays its products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. They're going to customize it exactly to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, and that's important. You know exactly who's doing the work up there. Those are Billy Mays guys. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long and preserve the quality of those appliances. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so we were out at uh, Buck's camp. It was, uh, I guess, the second week of OTAs. We're allowed to see one out of every three or four practices. They've got them today uh, and then again on Thursday. Uh, and the guy taking the snaps with the starting offense, QB1, if you will, for the second straight week, at least on the first day, was Baker Mayfield. And, you know, Trask would come in after him and so on and so forth. Uh, and neither guy, believe me, this is one of those days where, like, I was watch, I, I watched these drills and these practices, and most of them in the beginning of the of the football practice are against air and stuff was not a good day for either guy. Like, they were missing throws with no one covering these receivers. And you get to the point where you're like, really? What's going on here? You guys get paid to throw the football, right? Um, so there's a couple of those. And, and you know, but then there was also some good plays. Um, but after the, after practice, we had a chance to talk. Last week it was Baker Mayfield. This week, Kyle Trask. We also talked to Todd Bowles after each practice the last couple of weeks. And Todd Bowles said something where – his preference may be hiding in plain sight. Now I know I mean I'm already being accused of and hell, maybe I'm guilty of 
uh, banging the drum a little too hard for Trask. Or not Trask, for uh, Baker Mayfield. Definitely not Trask, but Baker Mayfield. Because I, I simply believe what I believe. And that is, if they believed in Kyle Trask and really thought after two years, and they've had him on the grass, they've had him in an offense, yeah, he didn't play, yeah, he was number three, all that stuff, right? But you, but you're, you're a paid evaluator, right? And the thing is, like, well, how do you evaluate a guy if you don't play him? All right, well, they didn't play him, but when they did play him, he's three for nine, okay? Um, and they did play him in practice, and he had a hell of a lot of scouting squad, you know, scout squad work out there, and so on and so forth. But regardless, they they went and they brought in Baker Mayfield, who you know, fourth team. Take a flyer on Baker, a lot of pedigree, number one pick, all that. I get it. And they're going to say it's a competition, which I've, I'm on record saying I think this is stupid. You know, I, I think it's just it's sort of the uh, the DNA of football. You know, football is different than any other sport. You know, it's just it just is, right? Like there's an etiquette to it. You know, like we got to compete. Everybody's got to compete. Still, iron, iron sharpens iron. You know, all this cliche stuff. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know if if I'm if I'm a paid guy that evaluates players, I should be able to tell you right now who's a better quarterback, regardless of the the offense. Even if he hasn't taken a snap for me, I should know in my heart of hearts if Baker Mayfield is better than Kyle Trask. Why? Because I got sixteen thousand yards and one hundred two touchdowns of tape I can watch on Baker Mayfield, and I've got two years of Trask on the grass, even as a third string quarterback. And he's only thrown nine passes. If those two guys are even, that's a problem for Baker, right? Because you you have all this pedigree, all this experience, and and you're not prohibitively better than a guy who hasn't played in two years. Mm, that could be an issue. So, no matter who they pick to be the starter, that guy, that starter in Week One at Minnesota, yeah, you took half the reps away from him in the off season. Took him away. Took him away because you wanted to run a so-called competition. Okay, we'll see how that goes, but that's neither here nor there. So Trask is is getting the second team reps again on Tuesday. Supposedly he'll they'll flip that and he'll get the first. And they've said Dave Canales. I had this conversation with him. We're no, this is what we want because we want that guy who doesn't win the job be thinking like a starter. And we did it with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Think about those names, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Um, and so that's we're going to do this. Okay, fine. So when we talked to Todd Bowles after practice, we're like, you know, he was asked sort of, you know, what, how are you analyzing this? Like, what are the factors? What are the things that are going to eventually determine, you know, who has the edge, who's going to be your quarterback? You know, what are some of the markers you're looking at? And he goes, well, you know, from an analyzing standpoint, it's just the grasp of the offense. It's the reading of the defense. And he said it's not necessarily making the big play, but making the right play. And then he said, and then it comes down to moxie. And then it comes down to intelligence, in-game intelligence adjustments, fits and film work, and you can see who the team galvanizes around and who's ready to play the first game. And you kind of make a decision from there. All those words I just said, that word salad, the one word you should remember is moxie, okay? Because go back to April when shortly after Mayfield had signed his one-year deal and Bowles is up there talking about Baker Mayfield. 
And the word he used to describe him was moxie. Okay? You liked his moxie, he said at the time. You liked his leadership skills. You liked the way he could go out and throw on the run some. And that's what this offense is. It's a mobile offense. Quarterbacks on the move a lot. Bootlegs, waggles, um, you know, zone runs, all this. So if you use the word moxie to describe Baker Mayfield and then you say the guy who shows the most moxie and galvanizes the team around him is going to be the one that gets the job, are we are we left to think that this is really a competition still? Um, and furthermore, like these two guys have vibed before. Like Bowles and, and Mayfield, they've, they have vibed back when Bowles was coach of the Jets and had the third overall pick. And Mayfield ended up being the number one overall pick to the Browns. But there was a possibility that Mayfield might fall to three. And so Bowles did his homework on him, really liked him. And so it's not his first, you know, indoctrination to to Baker. Now, again, Baker's been through some stuff. This is his fourth team. Um, The team isn't as good as the one that Tom Brady played with by far. And so you don't know how he's going to look. He's got a new offense to learn. This is his, like I said, his fourth team in, in, in a calendar year since last July. So there's a lot of stuff going on up there in his head. But he's played a lot of football. He's ha- He's been in, in the fire. He's been the man in the arena, as Tom Brady would say. Kyle Trask is not. And it's not to say that Kyle can't do it, because frankly, players that, that have played with Kyle the last few years say, oh, no, he's way more confident this year. And sometimes – that's just knowing you have a shot, right? That's just knowing that if I play well, I might get a chance to actually play. But when you use the word moxie to me and say the guy that shows the most moxie that galvanizes the team, like that's one of the many analytic criteria you're using, well, that's what the that's what you use to describe Mayfield in the first place. Make sense? It makes perfect sense, which is why you and, and I have said, I don't think it's a competition. <laughs> I know, but nobody believes us. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gator fan doesn't believe us. I don't know. And listen, let me say this about Trask. He's really impressive as a person. And, and frankly, mm-hmm. he was pretty damn impressive as a quarterback at Florida. Like, you could put the numbers up against, you know, him and a lot of guys that went to the NFL, um, I- including – what uh who's the guy at new england and was alabama um mac jones mac jones he went toe-to-toe with mike jones in alabama and you know pass for touchdown pass so it's not like the dude hadn't done some stuff because he has and he's been counted out a lot and he's always taking this path where he's you know slow to develop doesn't get the starting job right away then takes over and kills it and that's mm-hmm. sort of what bruce arians told him when he drafted him I'm like just do what you've always done come in learn and then when you get your shot take off he may do that again. And when you talk to Kyle Trask, he's a good dude. And I, he does it a different way. He's, you know, not every guy is, is going to be, you know, sort of charismatic. And, and I don't know if that's the right word even, but just sort of, you know, I guess it would be very verbal, very uh, outgoing mm-hmm. uh, personality. That That's Baker, right? And, and so, you know, I think, I think Kyle's a little more introverted. He's a little quieter around teammates and players, and that's sort of his personality. doesn't mean he's not a good leader. He's fiery. Like he, He's got plenty of competitiveness. He competes like hell, and, and he wants to win. He wants to win this job, so he'll do anything to do that. 
So you don't have to worry about that part of it. Um, and so I, I really like Kyle Trask. I do. I, and, and you root, you would root for him to, to be a starting quarterback in this league. And who knows? Because he still played at the highest level in college and he dominated at times. Um, and there's a reason why they took him in the second round. I just don't think, given this situation, right, where Todd Bowles has to win, that if they had that much confidence in Baker and in, in, uh, Kyle Trask, that Baker would even be here. And and because there's history, because Bowles did his homework going back as far as when they came out at Oklahoma, um, he sort of likes him to begin with. Like going in, he, he sort of knows he's getting the guy with the chip on his shoulder and, you know, been productive and has pedigree and, and, and done some stuff, 16,000 yards, 102 touchdowns. Like, you know, he knows what he's getting and, and he needs to win. Like Todd Bowles needs to win. He would play me if I could get him a victory, but I can't. So that's all that stuff sort of leads me to believe that the deck is kind of stacked against Trask. Doesn't mean Trask couldn't win the job. I think he'd have to have an amazing training camp and an, and an even better preseason. You know, I think he'd have to really be in sync with his guys, really move the ball, uh, have a high completion percentage, not make mistakes. And there will be mistakes made because uh, these guys are both learning a new offense. And then just the movement, like the offense itself does not fit uh, Trask as well as it does Mayfield. I mean, Mayfield's a guy that can throw off platform, has used his legs to get outside the pocket, not a scrambler by any means, um, but a little more mobile than Trask. Trask has changed his body. He's got better feet. They're not as heavy anymore. He says he's lost about five or ten pounds in a good way. Um, and, you know, somebody said the other day, they were talking about, well, you know, you ran the ball at Florida. Well, I looked it up. Yeah, he ran the ball. But he ran it for less than a yard to carry. He was more of, you know, he ran when he had to in short yardage. He's more of a physical guy. He scored three touchdowns. But it wasn't like, yeah, I wouldn't call him, you know, uh, outside the pocket guy. I mean, he... He did most of his work from inside the pocket, and that was the offense he was in up until now. Now he's learning a new one, and there's a lot of movement, and he likes it because you can sometimes, with all that motion, you can get some wide-open looks with your receivers. And so he's excited about that, as is most of the guys that are learning the offense. But I don't I don't know that this fits him as well as it fits Baker. You know, In fact, I'm pretty sure it fits Baker like a glove, to be honest with you. So all of that and what Todd Bowles said, I, and I know he would say, Moxie, I said Moxie about a lot of guys. Yeah, you know, Trask has Moxie. I can just feel him saying that. But, no, you said that specifically back in April about Baker Mayfield. You know, that you know the guy that has Moxie, that's going to help. The guy that can galvanize. And, and, you know, Baker's that kind of dude. Doesn't mean Trask can't do it. It just means, uh, I, think, I think it's stacked against him. We'll see. But neither one of them really said. Again, you know, I said to ask the coach the other day. He goes, "Really?" He goes, "They're in shorts and shorts and t-shirts. You really think you can tell anything about either quarterback or, you know, anybody at this point?" No, you can't because until you, even in even in practice, when you get to the training camp phase, you can't hit the guys. You know, when you really find out about a quarterback, when somebody can put him on his butt. You know, I've seen guys be able to stand in there with that orange shirt on that no one can hit, and and you know, dudes are whizzing by him that would have been kill shots uh, and they can't tackle the quarterback and he's standing there throwing good balls to people then you put him in a game situation and now his eyes drop and he's looking at the rush you know you don't have to worry about that until you play a preseason game because they're not ever going to hit him in practice so that's when we'll find out more about how these guys have progressed etc but it was interesting though moxie keep that word in mind that's the word of the day
All right, well, the Rays will try to at least get one from the Cubs uh, with Zach Eflin going to the mound. That's a 2-20 start afternoon game at Wrigley Field, and then they'll be on their way to Boston to play the Red Sox. Meanwhile, if you have some mailbag questions, you can start to send those to us now. I have a couple already, but we will get to more of them uh, as we get through the week. So do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Erstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 